Another exciting episode of Shots Fired. Today we have Christy Armstrong joining us. Christy is the founder of Who Creative Agency. Her journey is a testament to her resilience, ambition, and the pursuit of one's passion. She'll be sharing her path to discovering her true calling in marketing, the hurdles and triumphs of launching her own agency, and how she's breaking barriers while creating avant garde campaigns for fashion and swim labels. Join us as we delve into her inspiring journey and uncover the lessons she's learned along the way. Welcome, Christy. Hey, Christy, how are you? Good, how are you? So good. Thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you just give a little quick intro to everyone listening? Yeah. So I'm Christy. I am one of the co-founders of Who Creative Agency. So we're an agency that specializes in photography and videography for fashion brands. Um, And yeah. (laughs) So cool. So obviously this is how I found you was through this creative agency, but um, I've quickly learned that you have a whole wild different backstory. And so I want to start with kind of your origins of getting into the workforce, which was 13 years old. Excuse me. Yeah, I know. What a crazy person. <laughs> so what were your, what were these early experiences like working, starting? I mean, I know there's a lot of people who start work this young. Um, I was yes, not one of them. Yeah. So please let me know like what that was yeah. like for you. <laughs> Um, I actually, now that I think about it, I think, I don't even think I was 13. I think I was still 12, like towards oh the gosh. back end. Um, yeah. So I started in a cheap, like a little cheap shop called Dimmies. Um, my, one of my close primary school friends had just started there as well. So her mum knew the manager and then obviously her mum, my mum started talking <laughs> and mum was like, oh, you should go do it too. Like you'll just start earning some money. Get and out of the house. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, here I am thinking that $70 a week was just like the bee's knees. I'm like, I could actually buy like hot chips and gravy and stuff. Money in the bank. (laughs) I know. So it was, yeah, it was interesting. Now that I look back on it, I'm like, wow, okay. But I think the biggest thing was it just gave me, like starting so young, it gave me so much experience into the real world. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously cheap shop, they had like, they honestly had a bit of everything. So they'd randomly get like Calvin Klein undies in there that like $2. So you'd have this whole different like mix of people coming in and I'd be building all these relationships with all the cute little old people. Mm. And then we'd have the young people coming through that would just be there for like the cheap things. And they're like, oh, like what school do you go to? So it was just talking to heaps of different people. Mm. Um, I guess learning what work actually is and that standing on your feet all day just it's a thing yeah um, and it's not nice <laughs> um, but yeah so after that I went to Cold Rock which um I was there for that was three and a half years I think I was there my mum was actually the manager but I worked at a different shop mm-hmm. for we didn't I worked in a different shop and then we also didn't work on the same shifts because yeah. um, I, I used to love Cold Rock oh my god so good <laughs> Not same anymore. Something about the bashing, just like really satisfied. Frustration, except when the ice cream (laughs) was like fresh out of the freezer and it was hard. I'm like, I actually can't get this out. Someone please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that was, it was a good experience. So especially during summer, I learned 
how to work in a really high paced environment. So mm. I ended up working at the Burley store. And if anyone knows Burley Beach Ooh. at summer, hectic. Um, yes. <laughs> so we had like a shop full of all these people. It was hot. They just wanted their ice cream. There was only so many stuff we could have on because the thing that we bashed everything on was only so big. Mm. And it was just a matter of like, yeah, realizing how to talk to these people and just sort of resonating with them in a way so that they weren't so frustrated that it, mm. things were taking so long. Yeah. So sure. learning that at a young age, I think I was like 15 when I left there. Um, it really, really helped me down the track. And was that when you started doing your um, like beauty therapy training? Yeah, so I think I was, yeah, I was about 15 or 16 when I, I ended up leaving school. So I had a boyfriend at 16 and he wasn't the best influence on me and especially because he was older than me. So I just wanted to be with my boyfriend all the time. Um, <laughs> and I was, so at, I was actually, I was really good at school. So when I went from primary school to high school, I was in sports excellence. I was a really good netball player, um, played for the Queensland team until I, decided to play on a broken ankle because I didn't want to say no. Um, And then I was in academic excellence at um, the high school that I went to as well. So I was really academic and I actually wanted to be a physiotherapist when I left school. Gotcha. And I could have easily done it. Like I was predicted an OP4. And then I got to the point that I was 16 and got my boyfriend and love was love, right? At 16, you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, first boyfriend. This is it for life. Yeah, it's just I'm in love. I'm getting married. I'm having kids. I'm like, thank gosh I didn't yeah um, so yeah I ended up leaving school I ended up wagging school a lot which wasn't like me because I was a very goody two-shoes mm. um in school ended up not wanting to be there I moved schools to be with friends um my newly made friends I should say <laughs> and then ended up being in classes that I didn't want to be in such as ancient history because they <laughs> that was the only class on at that time. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, look at this. I don't care about the old times. <laughs> so I ended up leaving and I'm like, you know what, beauty therapy has always been a thing for me. My boyfriend's mum at the time, she was very into skincare. Um, mm-hmm. okay. Love her dear, still do. Um, and I ended up getting into that. So I loved it. But then I think my relationship was just so toxic that Like he was going out all the time. I ended up going out underage with all my other friends who would go out underage. Mm -hmm. So my whole headspace just wasn't in studying or anything anymore. I just wanted to go out and have fun. Mm. Do I wish I stayed doing beauty therapy and finished it? Yeah, I guess so, because I probably would have enjoyed it. But at the same time, no, because I was living my life and getting the party phase out of me, even though I still party every now and then, but I was getting Mm -hmm. that out of me young age like there was nothing really like I still didn't know what I wanted to do in the long run like I just left school when I wanted to be a physiotherapist like I had no idea what I wanted to do so yeah I tried I feel like that's so common at that age here like we are expected to jump into a direct career path at I mean what 15 16 because then we have to decide what classes we want to take in high school to kind of direct towards a certain career that is so young when you compare that to like I studied at college in the United States where you still have general general requirements of what subjects you need to take until halfway through your university degree. So it's yeah. very common for someone to be one year in thinking that they're going to do one thing and then they suddenly find this other thing that they love while they're fulfilling these general requirements. And it's such a good way to do it. Whereas here, it's just so many people bounce around like you've done because 
you just don't know you're changing so much and you might have multi you know a lot of different passions and it's just so it's impossible to pick at that age I know and it's like a lot of it and I'm sure everyone loves their parents but a lot of it comes down to their path as well Mm. um and it's like you're going into uni to study something that you might not even know anything about like during school I know I never learned now that I'm in marketing I never learned anything about marketing or I never learned anything about physio like yes I learned science but I'm like it was nothing really directly about that and it was nothing about being in the workforce either it was just learning general knowledge so it's like you've got no idea what you're going into so how are you meant to know what you actually want to do and then your degrees end up costing you like 50k plus yeah there's got to be a better way (laughs) yeah I know I'm like yeah I just yeah so I don't the whole bouncing around and trying different things and Mm. yeah it just it I don't know where I'd be now if I didn't bounce around I'd probably still be stuck in the same yeah (laughs) so how do you feel like all of these different you know early job experiences um like they're quite a diverse range of things between like Cold Rock shop and then Napoleon and then like how do you think all of those experiences contributed to your personal and professional growth yeah well it was funny because obviously you sent me these questions beforehand but when I was thinking back because being a makeup artist at Napoleon that's completely different to being at Cold Rock so Cold Rock's hospitality then being at a cheap shop sort of like retail and then being a makeup artist you've actually got to be more creative and I'm like oh so now like and I being a makeup artist, I loved it. And I loved the creative side of it. Didn't like the retail side of it. Loved the creative side of it. But I'm like, okay, now I'm actually in the creative world. <laughs> and it's weird. So it's like Cold Rock taught me a lot about being working in a high pressure, um, high paced environment. The cheap shop sort of just taught me how to actually talk to people at a young age and resonate with them. And then being a makeup artist, I then also learned how to, like there was a pressure on me to make people look good for a certain event. Mm-hmm. So especially brides, doing brides makeup, brides makeup, I was just like, oh, my God, there Hectic. is so much pressure on me right now. Mm. <laughs> um, but then that sort of taught me I loved being creative. I was good at what I did, but I had to believe in myself and that I could actually do it mm-hmm. and not stress myself out because the more that you stress yourself out, the more mistakes you're going to make along the way. Do you so, believe that? you are innately like a person who hustles and works hard and these jobs kind of brought that out of you or do you think that being in the workforce for so long at such a young age kind of normalized that and therefore you work very hard that's a tough question um my parents always used to like my dad was a really really hard worker so I actually, like my parents and I, we don't really have that much of an open relationship. I hold, I love them and we have a really good connection, but I hold so much back from them. Mm. So I know that my grandma, cause she grew up basically being a single, single mom to my um, dad and uncle. She, and from what my dad said, she worked her ass off. Like, and obviously she was 96 when she passed away, probably like eight, eight years ago. So she was like very old. Mm. They all be, they all work really hard back then. But then my dad was also a really hard worker. My mum was a hard worker. And I don't know, I think it, yeah, I was probably a hard worker 
from them and seeing how hard they worked to provide for me. Mm. But I also think that being in the, going into the workforce so young made me realize sort of what I wanted to achieve down the track and where I wanted to go and what position I wanted to be within the business. And that was always a higher up position. Like I wanted to climb the corporate ladder, as they say. (laughs) Bit of column A, bit of column B. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then after this, you went into real estate. Yeah. So then I actually went into my first proper career. Mm. Um, into real estate I started there as a on a traineeship Um, the traineeship went for six months and I finished the whole theory part within four months so that's when I realized okay this might actually be the career for me like I'm dedicated to it I was great at it I worked as like a sales administrator because I wanted to be on the sales side as I'd heard property management you just get railed all the time and I didn't want that I've got a very soft personality so (laughs) I probably would have (laughs) broke Um, but I did actually like, it was a boutique firm. So I learned a lot. Um, I went from sales admin. I learned the property management side of things. I learned holiday rentals. I went out to open homes with my, um, with the sales agents. I built connections with the buyers, with the sellers. Um, but how old are you at this point? I was 17, potentially just turned 18. So young. Yeah, um, still with my toxic ex-boyfriend at that stage. Oh, lovely. <laughs> but, yes, I was still partying and whatnot through that period, um, getting a little bit distracted here and there, but I still remained, like, I was in real estate for quite a long time. I was there for probably three years at that stint. Mm-hmm. Um, learned a lot, but then I was the age of 20 when I realized this isn't providing me what I need, like I need more, it's not challenging me anymore, but I couldn't, there was nowhere else to grow within that business because it was a small boutique firm. And at the age of 20, can I really go out and sell a house? Like are people going to trust me to sell a house at the age of 20? I think not. (laughs) But then it also comes, (laughs) I think back to it and I'm like, but maybe that comes down to my like limiting belief. Like I probably could sold, could have sold a house at 20 if I believed in myself. I'm not sure. (laughs) I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But then, so that job, that was great. And I got bored with it. Then I wanted to move to another real estate agency just to see, like to get, it's a change. I love change. So my parents weren't happy with that because they didn't like to take risks and they liked to be content. And I had it great where I was, but I was like, it's just, I'm not happy. And I think it was like a two month period that I was just going back and forth with my parents. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. Like I'm bored. I can't grow. I I think back then, and this is absurd for me to think these days, I was on like $35,000 a year. That's not much. (laughs) That was great. Um, I mean, inflation, but still not much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I ended up applying at other jobs. I ended up going to another real estate agency where they specialized in selling apartment apartments that were, 1 million minimum. And back in those days, that was a lot for the Gold Coast. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Like that was like luxury. Um, So they range from like 1 million to 6 million because they were in high rise buildings and penthouses and whatnot. Mm. And I learned so much there that I was actually like going out and selling them with my, like I was a sales assistant to my other boss, but then it's still like, I got to the point again where I'm like, I'm bored. I'm doing Mm. the same thing and I'm just bored. And I'm like, 
I don't know what I want to do. My best friend decided to move to Canada and I was like, maybe I'll do that. My parents shot that down because they haven't traveled. Like they haven't left Australia to this day. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not going to go to Canada then. And then I just sat on it more and I'm like, no, I want to go to Canada. And then (laughs) getting in this massive argument with my parents (laughs) And then I ended up going to see, this is so weird. I ended up going to see a clairvoyant. Oh, I love this. And, yeah. And she connected with my pop and she, everything she was saying, she's like, I'm here with your pop. And like, he's really cheeky. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it sounds like him. And then she's like, he's here and he's telling you to go. And I hadn't mentioned Canada. She's like, he's here and he's telling you to go to Canada for no matter how long or how short you go, like just go home. Oh my gosh, I love this shit. And they will support you. So what did I do? I went home. I told my parents that they were going. I was in another, uh, that I was going. I was in another massive fight with them. The next morning I wake up. We all have a conversation. Dad's like, I'll pay off your debt because I was in debt for, what was I in debt for? I don't know, probably a car or something. I was in debt. He was like, I'll pay off your debt. I'll pay for your flights. I'll give you money to set yourself up over there. Just go. So I went. <laughs> Amazing. And, yeah, I ended up getting my visa approved. Um getting a job, like the first job that I applied for, which was actually in a spa. So I was back in beauty therapy back over there. Um, And yeah, told my dad I was stopping over in LA on the way. That was the whole end of the freaking world of me going to LA by myself because everything in this world is scary to him. Um, Did it anyway. And then called him. I'm like, look, dad, I survived. Like I'm in Canada now. I made it. (laughs) Hollywood was freaking scary, but I survived. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely sketchy around there, especially by yourself. But it's like it's manageable if you're smart. (laughs) I know. I was luckily enough. One of my um, high school friends, his dad was something to do with Universal Studios, so he ended up after high school moving over to LA. So Mm -hmm. I stayed with him in LA, and he showed me around for a couple of days. But there were times when I was by myself because obviously people have to work. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So that was a little bit more reassuring for my dad. Um, but then by that point in Canada, I ended up meeting someone just before I went from Sunshine Coast and we, I still went. And then one night we had a massive fight and I ended up getting really drunk and booking a flight home for the next day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I woke up and I was an like, impulsive one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm really spontaneous and adventurous, but come on, Christy, this is just too far. So then... <laughs> Did you like fully? Yeah, I come back, I, bring everything morning, back. I was still sad, um, like real sad. So I came home. That flight was so expensive, um, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't really pull out of the flight now because I've just spent the rest of my money that I had for Canada on my flight home. Sorry. So I, <laughs> um, I ended up, up spending all the money that I had left in Canada on my flight home so I'm like I've got to go home and I don't know Canada it was beautiful and I had my best friend over there but there was where were you living in Banff okay so in the Rocky Mountains it was stunning Stunning. but it just it was just party 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 every single night and I'm like I can't go to work with a hangover (laughs) (laughs) so there was something there that didn't align with me anyway um I if I stuck it out, would it have been fun? Probably. Do I regret coming home? No, because again, probably wouldn't be where I am today without that whole experience. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, I didn't actually tell anyone I was coming home except my parents. 
<laughs> so surprise I room like a month later. Oh wow. <laughs> and when they found out I was home, I was on the Sunshine Coast. Mm. So I ended up moving to the Sunshine Coast, which is where the guy was that I was seeing. Yeah. Um went back into real estate at that point in time because it was the easiest thing to do and the only thing I really knew how to do and back then the probably the highest paying role I could have gotten. Yeah. Um, went back into real estate, worked my way up there, was a sales assistant again. Um, and it got to the point that that relationship was so toxic that I was making mistakes at work. And by that time I realized that make and like, no matter how hard I tried, I'd still make mistakes. Like I'd read over things over and over and over again. I'd still make mistakes that I wasn't even aware of or that I missed when I read over it. And I realized that that was actually a sign of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to like stick everything out, joined back at the gym, tried to get my head in the right place, but it was just like a re like the same thing reoccurring in this relationship that the only way for me to get out of it was to leave. And it got to the point that I called my best friend one night, like something happened. I was at breaking point. I was hysterically crying, having panic attacks, called my best friend up there. I was like, I can't do this. So he came over to like comfort me. I called my mum to the point that I said to, and as I said, I don't have a very open relationship with my parents. Like I never wanted them to see me cry or anything. Mm. But it was at the point that I'm like, mum, I literally don't even want to be alive anymore. Mm. And for my mum to be living two and a half hours away from me, like I don't, I can't even imagine how she felt when she heard that. Um, And then messaged my boss at the time saying like, I'm, she'd seen me crying at work before as well, but I'm like, I'm having a panic attack. Like whatever, like I'm crying. I can't come to work tomorrow. She called me an hour later and I was still going and then ended up answering. And she's like, I, she's like, cause she suffered depression as well previously. Mm. She's like, I think you just, you need to go home. Mm. And at that point I didn't go back to work. Like yeah. I went home. So I organized my life to sort of move back from the sunny coast and head home. Had no idea what I wanted to do. Knew what was, I was like, this is a, this is a point in time where I can't go back to real estate. Cause even in that job, once again, I was getting, I was getting bored. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, but at this, this point a- you knew real estate wasn't for you. You mean you tried yeah. a bunch of different places, different styles yeah. and you were, you just knew. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to take this as, a complete reset. I stay, ended up staying on the sunny coast for probably three, three more weeks. It was like the Christmas new year period. So best believe I made the most out of that with all my mm-hmm. friends. Um, and I was lucky enough to have supporting friends who they would literally paid for like three festival tickets for me. Like they were making mm-hmm. my last few weeks at the best weeks of my life. Yeah. Um, and then moved home, went to work at flight center for the interim because I loved traveling. So I'd done a bit of travel despite my dad being scared out of his brain. Um, I'd traveled to, I think at that point in time, Japan twice, Hawaii, Bali. Dad thought I did Hawaii twice because he didn't want me to go to Bali. So he thought that I was in Hawaii when I was in Bali. Um, No, just send a beach. Nice. Yeah. I'm like, the time difference. It's just, he's no idea anyway. Um, so I went to flight center. That was great to just get me through. Um, but once again, I got bored. Do you think was- during this time that just taking yourself out of that scenario while being on the sunny coast was the catalyst to kind of getting out of that depression or was there something else that you feel like helped more? 
Um, it was definitely going back to the gym down here and getting mm-hmm. healthy within myself. It helped a lot. Mm-hmm. I tried to see a psychologist. It was not for me. It's I, tricky, hey? Yeah, it was hard. And I'm like, like all the feelings were still there, but I'm like, I don't want to bring them back up. Like I just yeah. want to work through them without bringing them back up. Yeah. Um, I I've up- seen three different people and I find that the, the first two that I saw, I was exactly like that. I was like, I didn't feel safe enough to want mm. to share. And it mm. felt like they had to draw it out of me. And I was, I was uncomfortable. And then yeah. the third person, the person who I, you know, would see now if I ever needed to, um, it's so easy and comforting. And it, it feels like, a, like every time I'm there, it's a fucking relief. It's like, oh my God, thank God. I can like, there's no judgment, can say what you need. And I get like a, you know, honest, non-judgmental response and it's amazing but it's so often that people feel exactly that way they go and it's like and I I knew that it because my friend I had friends that were seeing psychologists and everything like I had nothing against it but it was like my dad didn't support the idea either my doctor yeah and Mm. my parents like they had money and they did everything they could to support me but psychologists aren't cheap when you have to go every two weeks Nope. Um, and I went to get a mental health care plan from my doctor who then refused, who's then told me that I'm not depressed and that I just need to get over it because it's a boy. Really? And that a mental health care plan employer. What's his name? Out him. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'll still go there. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, and he was like, a mental health care plan is on your record. So employers can see that, but all they see is mental health. They don't actually yeah. see like, why and I'm like what the hell am I gonna do to get better yeah (laughs) so then I just resorted to going to the gym all the time wasn't a bad thing um and being in a different environment down here definitely helped but Mm. even to this day now I know I still haven't worked through those issues um Mm. so it's been a really really long journey definitely in a bit headspace but yeah it was just I couldn't get the help that I needed yeah (laughs) really so yeah I want to transition into who creative agency a bit. So I'd love to know the transition from being in real estate and then, you know, going into flight center um, and then coming into marketing, what motivated that change and how did you seize the opportunity to enter the marketing field? Yeah. So I always wanted to do marketing, but I was stuck between studying and not working, which I couldn't really do because I had bills to pay or working and studying, like work, studying part-time, which would then take me double the time to do the degree, which I didn't really want to take six years to do a goddamn degree, mm-hmm. um, or studying full-time and working and having absolutely no life at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm one that gets run down really quickly. So when I get run down, I end up in hospital and it's happened multiple times because I don't know when to stop. Um, <laughs> but I was lucky enough to be like, obviously flight center. I was over, I was over that. I was bored. I just typed into Google, well, not Google, seek um, Gold Coast. I don't think I I didn't even categorize anything. Just put in Gold Coast. And then a marketing role came up and I was like, oh, that company sounds familiar. And I actually trained with the owner of the company at the gym. Right. Yeah. Sent a message. It was just a client services coordinator role. So basically just emailing, dealing with the clients and whatnot. Um, And I was like, do you, is marketing experience like really necessary? And they're like, oh, send us your resume, um, come in for a chat, we'll chat further. Um, Obviously it was client coordinator role. 
I had experience dealing with clients in all different sorts of fields. Um, and I ended up getting the job, but because it was just my boss and his business partner. So his business partner ran the accounting firm. So it was basically just me and his boss, me and my boss. And I was the first employee at the time. And then we had an intern who'd started probably three days before me. So I learned not just client services and how to actually construct emails properly from my boss and dealing with marketing clients, but I learned how to do Facebook ads, mm-hmm. um, how to manage, we had to manage a um, person over in the Philippines. So how to manage someone from a different language as well yeah. to teach yeah. them when I don't even know. So I learned so much from the ground up there. Mm, uh, so valuable. Yeah. So I went from being client services coordinator to client services manager and PR. So I ended up doing PR mentorship with a lady that my boss supported as well. Um, by that time, we were a team of four um, and COVID had hit. So it was booming. Um, we had so many clients that I look back at it now and I'm like, how did we even manage like 30 to 40 mm. clients? I'm doing a PR mentorship. I'm liaising with 30 to 40 clients. And then we a ended lot. up, yeah, it was a lot, but it was like, I'd get it all done in a day. And that's one thing that I realized was we had to have two people replace me to be mm. able to handle that workload. And that's what sort of made me realize that everyone works at a different pace everyone learns at a different pace everyone approaches everything within a workplace at a different pace and that's okay so not everyone can be working so fast and actually articulate what's happening at the same time mm-hmm. uh, I start to think that I'm ADHD I haven't been diagnosed but I probably am I think I am <laughs> I always honestly I was actually just thinking that <laughs> yeah I have a lot of the I, same uh... qualities as you do and I think it's a quality of like um of how like driven hardworking people yeah, and, and people who jump around a lot like like my uh my coach <laughs> PT he actually said to me the other day he's like do you think you're ADHD because I'm doing I'm giving him marketing mentorship in exchange for PT and coaching yeah I'm like, you know what I actually think I am <laughs> he's like, you do know that the most successful people like a lot of them do have ADHD and I'm like I'm ashamed of it. Like, Honestly, I think it's I the biggest do. tool if you know how to manage it. Like yeah. I am with my to-dos, just how you were saying, I can get so much done in a day and mm. I know exactly how long something's going to take and I know how I work well enough that I can be like, okay, I'm going to do this short task and then I can switch it up to this different task, get done yeah. it, that done in that time frame, and then switch to this other thing so I don't get bored but I'm yeah. still getting a lot done. You just learn a whole different side of like time management. And then yeah. I'm like, why can't other people work as fast as me? Like, I don't understand. Because <laughs> you have issues. <laughs> huge issues. I'm like, is oh, it a distraction? Or... <laughs> no, it's an asset. Wear it like a badge. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's sort of how I got into marketing was just getting my foot in the door. I'm glad I never did a degree because I've learned mm. so much more in, I've been in marketing for going on five years now. So if I think about having a degree, I would have graduated what last year. Yeah. And I mean, you learn so much more in a, in a scenario that you did where you're in something that's very like young and you're yeah. part of building that up. You learn so much more there than you would doing a degree on it. Yeah. And it's like marketing changes every single day like yep. they're learning in university I don't even know they probably changed the curriculum last year probably and on TikTok now <laughs> yeah. TikTok marketing yeah just go on there <laughs> oh, um, 
But yeah, that's how I got into it. So I went from being like learning PR, managing people, understanding that not everyone works the same to them being an internal marketer and marketing the actual agency and then moving into being an operations manager mm-hmm. to actually um, running the agency. So I was, it was, it's crazy to think back. Like I started in that role um, when I was 21, I think I was 22, maybe 22. Um, started in that role at 22. I was getting a pay rise every three months and getting like a different role frequently. And that kept me interested in staying at that company because there was change all the time. There was proof Mm -hmm. of progression. And I think that's what so many companies lack these days is they say that there's progression, but for the, and I'm not in the younger generation, but for like our generation, progression was like something that we wanted quite fast, but the younger generation want it even faster that it's insane like I finished as an operations manager on 65k which isn't enough for an operations manager Mm -hmm. um but I was happy with it because I was I'd grown in that agency like I'd grown from starting on 40k and made my way up to 65k in a matter of two years and then I ended up managing a I think she was 19 at the time love her she's gotten so far now but she was 19 at the time being client services in a role that I started on 40K, she came in asking for 70K. And I'm like, bruh, I'm not even on that. (laughs) But it's like, yeah, it's crazy. Like the younger generation, they just, I think it's- know what they want and they want it now. Yeah. And they're determined to get it. So I give it to them. Good on them. So how did you go from there to um, eventually running and growing your own agency? Yeah. So then I actually ended up going to another agency after that being an operations manager Mm -hmm. Um, in, there was 30 people in the marketing team. And on the other side of the business, there was 120. Um, So there was a lot of people and I learned how to run a business that size from the back end and still find flaws in it. So I'm like, if they can do it and it's running somewhat effectively why can't I do it myself with the knowledge that I now have mm-hmm. um, and in that role I actually got I went back into real estate to get into that role and then the marketing operations manager role came up um, and I moved into that after two months and then I got offered head of marketing just before I left um, and I turned it down without any like I walked I just remember walking out of the meeting and one of my one of the girls in the team said to me what what just happened and I'm like why she's like the look on your face is like you're really confused and I'm like yeah I just turned down something that I'd worked so hard for and that I'd always wanted because I don't want it and I'm like how does that even make sense just (laughs) didn't feel right no it and I knew I wanted to start my own agency and I was like if I go into a head of marketing role and I'm like it's just me running it it's not me and my boss at the time running it anymore it's just me all my time is going to be so consumed with managing people, which is the hardest thing to learn because everyone's different. And it's also the most draining to managing people and then doing my actual work outside of hours because you're too busy helping everyone else during the time, which is the role of a leader. And I'm like, I can't do that. And I can't run an agency at the same time. So I was pretty content staying as an operations manager. I was going to move into like a new project, new projects of marketing. So building brands and everything for new developments um, but I ended up going to Dubai and Morocco in March for a month, which was my first holiday. What year was this? That was this year. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was at the company for a year and then it got to like this holiday time when I went on holidays, came back and I, I don't know what happened when I was on holidays, but I came back, I was planning to resign within a month, but give them three months notice. Mm. So I got back on day one, had a meeting with my boss and then unexpectedly resigned then. And I walked out again. How did I know this was coming? (laughs) Again, walked out of that meeting. The same girl goes, what just happened? And I'm like, I accidentally just resigned. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so I'd given my three months notice then. And then it got to, that was on a Tuesday. And then it got to the Friday and I had another meeting and I'm like, look, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And I quit and I walked out and that was the end of it. And then I got home and I'm like, I don't know whether to cry or like, I don't know what to do right now. It's like, like your instincts are two steps ahead of your brain. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have an income. What am I doing? Yeah. And then everything just sort of fell into place. So one of my best friends on the sunny coast, he invested in the company. Uh, my best friend that I was basically bawling my eyes out hysterically to, he ended up investing in the company so we could get the branding and everything done correctly. This is your company now, correct? Yeah. 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 So he invested in who? Um, and me coming from a marketing background, I knew everything that had to be done and the purpose and the reasoning of why it needed to be done and why it's so important to spend that money, no matter how big it seems. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough to have him invest in it and also cover my living expenses for a bit. Delightful. <laughs> yeah. And then launching the company, it was there was so much to do. And I think it all comes from my operations background. So I know the foundation that had to be set the marketing that needed to be done, the branding that needed to be done. And that was like, that started in April. And then we were even pushing it for launch in July, major. So three months. So trying to get me up and running. Um, And I don't know how I would have done that if I was still working. Cause it just couldn't have been run. No, it was a lot. Like I was literally working on my own company every single day. And (laughs) I even went to Hawaii for a month. Because I didn't have a job, so I could do whatever I wanted now. So I went to Hawaii (laughs) and just worked over there for a month, tried to work, couldn't because it was Mm. Hawaii. The vibes were very relaxing. (laughs) Um, But I was still doing what I could and then came back and launched the company. And, yeah, that was sort of how that all started. But the experience that I had previously, I realised I didn't want it to be a performance-based company because – no matter what you do and no matter how well you prime your clients, if you don't get them the results, it's basically in their head, it's on you. And I've seen how easy it can be to tarnish an agency's name. So initially I never wanted to start an agency. Like I told myself, I don't want to run an agency. Um, And then I started doing the creative side of things at my last job. And I'm like, hang on. I really thrive in the creative side and I thrive in running a business. So I'm going to start a creative agency because you're not net. You don't have to be tied to performance. You can be, mm. but you don't have to be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how so that all about. For people who don't know, um, give us a rundown on what who creative a- agency actually is, what it does, and what makes it unique. Yeah. So it's a creative agency that specializes in photography and videography for fashion brands. Um, The reason I wanted to start it is because I saw a gap in the market. One, creative agencies in Australia, they're around, 
no one really knows what they are or what they do and they can all have a different purpose. Like some are going to be branding, some are going to be PR and photography, um, some are just going to be graphic design. Um, but I noticed a gap in the market when it came to more of the campaign photography. So brands, big brands, they understand how important having a brand and having brand guidelines are, which can then restrict them in actually getting that little bit more creative in their campaign photography and videography. And with the fashion industry and actually any really e-commerce industry now, um, it's so saturated. So you need to do something different to stand out. And campaign photography, any sort of photography and videography, you need it. Like you're always going to need it. It's just a matter of what you're going to have to add to it to stand out. And you can have like your social media content. Yes, I've lost my train of thought now. You can have your social media content. You can have your UGC content and your organic content, but your campaign content's always going to be there. Influencers, UGC. And it's so different. They're kind of a fade. They're kind of like, they're mm. a trend. How long are they going to be around? I don't know. In my opinion, they're fading out, but they could also just be evolving. Um, and even AI, like, yes, you can probably get AI to do anything and you can probably get it to do your campaign shoots to the quality and the extent that these luxury brands want. I don't think so. Maybe. I feel like there's also a level yeah. of like prestige and um, mm. respect for the actual work of it. That's why so many people still use film. It's because yeah. it's so raw. It's such like a, a true representation of, you know, yeah. your brand and it's, it's like authentic. Yeah. And I think and that, tells, the, that the big brands will understand that. Yeah. It tells a story, which is something that a lot of mm. brands can lack. Like they just want to get their photos done, but it's like to, t to hit your audience and to resonate with your audience and even new demographics, you need to tell a story and they need to resonate to it. Mm. Um, and that's, why I really started this agency another like a sense of fulfillment for me is helping other brands grow mm -hmm. and I think I think one of your other questions is the challenges one of the biggest challenges is people in a, in Australia in particular I should say they struggle to trust agencies the reason being <laughs> is because when COVID hit everyone decided to launch an agency because that's the industry that was booming yeah <laughs> Um, and they didn't actually know how to run an agency properly or they didn't know how to maintain relationships properly or they were just like everyone signing on with me and they were just looking at the revenue coming through that they weren't actually looking at the value that their service was providing. So that's the biggest challenge right now. Um, and I knew it. I knew that was going to be the case. Um, it's just a matter of being consistent, building the relationships, not necessarily even pitching straight away, like just build a relationship with people, get to know them get to know their brand. The more you understand their brand, the better you're going to execute on a service for them. 100%. I could not agree yeah. with that more. Yeah. Could you dive deeper into the like the core services and areas of expertise that who creative agency offers and especially helping fashion labels construct like their campaigns? Yeah. So our key service, it's it is campaign shoots um or any kind of photography and videography, but what I found with launching an agency is, and as I said, brands were too scared of being creative. So what we wanted to do is 
a lot of brands have in-house teams or they have their photographers and videographers doing the creative strategy side of things, but there's so many other things going on in those creators or the in-house team's brain that they can't necessarily think outside the box to the extent that they could be because they're always thinking of all these other things that they need to do. So one of the key service, one of the key components of doing campaign shoots with who is that we manage the whole creative strategy side of things in-house. So that takes it off the brand, the photographer, the videographer. Um, We do that with everyone's input, of course, Um, but it's going to save everyone else probably eight hours of time. Plus we also organize all the creatives, creators to be involved in that shoot. So photographer, videographer, models, stylists, hairstylists, makeup artists. Can we talk for a quick second about the huge difference hiring a stylist makes? Oh my God. (laughs) People don't listen. No, I previously like hadn't been on any shoots because I worked in, when I started getting more creative, I worked with real estate agents um, and on like real estate agents, personal branding. But I did my first shoot a month after launching the agency with a stylist and oh my God, the difference in, yeah. hopefully the brand owner isn't listening to this. If she is, do love everything, but <laughs> here we go. I'm just going to say it. You see the pieces get sent through like just on a, like a regular person just standing there and you're like, oh, how are we going to make this work or how are we going to perceive it? And then you bring a stylist into it. They've got all these like extra little knickknacks that they add onto your garments and then you're yeah. like, oh, my God, how much has that changed the whole overall yeah. shoot? Insane. And it really, like without them, I don't know how we'd be able to tell the story without them yeah. actually like, bringing to life the outfits it's crazy it really anyone listening who's you know in that business of like you're needing campaigns or you're even needing a shoot for yourself personally like hiring a stylist is night and day it really really is 100% recommend they are worth the money that they charge (laughs) so you've you've really like blindly you know dove around so many different career trajectories and you know different little endeavors um what advice would you give someone who's wanting to start their own business of any sort I think just in my like in my head right now I'm saying just do it but you need to just do it if you've got experience behind you if you don't know like if you've never worked in a marketing agency before but you're going to go and launch a marketing your own marketing agency You have no idea what can go on behind the scenes. You can do all the courses in the world, but until you actually experience it firsthand, you're you're not going to know. So you can launch your own and take that risk, but if you have the knowledge behind you, you're going to know how to overcome everything without jeopardizing any relationships. Mm -hmm. So try and get the experience. Don't rush it as much as everyone likes to rush things and get into it. I'm the same, but I don't regret working in marketing for four years and working my way up that corporate ladder in a way. Like I learned so much valuable information from working in a small marketing agency to then working in a bigger marketing agency. Like I can, even though I wasn't directly doing any Facebook ad campaigns all the time, or like I wasn't a digital strategist or I wasn't an email marketing strategist, I've got top line knowledge of everything 
just from working in an agency, which then helps me help our brands that we work with from a whole marketing, like a holistic marketing view to grow. So I can't, I'm not going to sit there and be like, you just need a campaign shoot. I'll be like, with that campaign shoot, you can use it on your website. Like you can use it in your EDMs and all that stuff. So it's just getting the knowledge, but then also just, just doing it as well. Um, And learning the biggest thing that I'm so glad I learned was how to manage people. And also don't be a manager, be a leader. So managers tell people what to do. Leaders help them and they guide them and they're there the whole way through the journey. So people necessarily don't like managers. They more gravitate towards leaders. So learn how to be a leader um, and don't be afraid of people know more than you either. Mm. And don't be afraid to ask for help. I was always one that was so scared to ask for help. And then I realized that people don't look down on you for it. Like people love helping people. Sure. Yeah. So say I'm the owner of a swimwear label and I Mm -hmm. email you guys and I'm like, Hey, like we're launching this summer campaign. We Don't really have any like solid ideas of what we want it to look like yet, but like here is the vibe of the campaign um, Mm -hmm. or of the drop. Um, What is your process from that inquiry all the way to delivering that imagery and content? Yeah. So basically we start with, we will have a discovery call. We'll dive into sort of their vision for the campaign. As long as they have their vibe, we'll then work on a strategy. So our creative brief, creative strategy um, is about 38 pages long. And the reason for that is during the shoot as well, like we break down the target market, we go through the strategy, we go through, um, God, what else is in there? all the creators, the mood boards, then we have poses per piece so that on the day everything runs so smoothly. Um, So we create that um, to a more extensive degree than a lot of people would do. Um, And I can vouch for that being so long that on shoot days it has helped a ton. Mm. Um, that That then gets approved by the client. If they have changes, we go ahead and make those changes. It could be completely off off the um out of their idea so that's fine it's all a part of the creative process um once they've approved it we've locked in all our creators so they can choose um their creators based on their budget so we've got a lookbook with all their work in it um they choose their ideal creator um and then we book everything in so and that's probably the hardest part is when you've got a whole team of Mm -hmm everyone about eight to ten different people kind of you need to find a date yeah <laughs> um, when the weather's but, nice too and <laughs> yeah you've got to remember to check the weather if you're outside yeah. <laughs> finding studios that are available it could have been available yeah. the day before and then the next day you go to book it it's taken <laughs> yeah um so yeah that is a very time consuming thing in itself and I am happy to take that off our clients hands because it saves mm. them a lot of time um, then once we've got everything locked in, um, our stylist, photographers, everyone, they see the brief. They do see the brief prior. Sorry, I missed that step. Um, they can have their creative input. And then we basically just get organizing everything for the brief. So who creative agency will go out and get any props that are needed. Um, make sure we've got um, we've got a huge whiteboard that we pin the entire brief to on the day so it'll run smoothly. We then create the run sheet, um, so arrival times for everyone, hair and makeup times, all of that jazz, where it is, health and safety. Um, and then, yeah, from there the shoot is then executed. The client then gets 
all the BTS footage after that. Um, so that afternoon, once the shoot's finished, so they can see what sort of happened behind the scenes and have their first little look into things. But does that and mean that the client frequently isn't there on the shoot day? They can be. Um, we actually had a very, very first client. She's so cute. Um, she wasn't meant to be there on the shoot day. Um, she dropped things off and then she started watching for an hour and she's like, oh my God, I want to stay the whole day. I've never seen (laughs) this. It is very fun to be behind the scenes of an actual campaign with so much going on, especially when you're invested in the product. It's, it's incredible. It really brings to life, like all of the work up until that point. It's amazing. I just, sometimes I don't think they know how much actually goes into it. Um, And she designs the pieces herself as well. So I think seeing her pieces being styled and everything so well. So special. Oh, my God. Um, And she ended up taking a lot of the stylist pieces over to it. She was in London Fashion Week, like those um, her designs. So she ended up taking what we did in the shoot over to London with her. Amazing. Um, But, yeah, some clients stay, some clients don't. Um, A lot of the bigger clients I've found, so anyone with a higher-end budget, they don't really have the time. Mm-hmm. so they like to just hand it over yep. give you the trust you take the creative reins and just execute it um a lot of the smaller brands or even mid-sized brands they might have someone from their creative team come out um yep. and help as well but the option is there so I love collaborating with people mm-hmm. all of our creators love collaborating with people so yeah um and, and then you just sorry keep going uh, you go you go <laughs> I'm just wondering if you quote on like a project basis or if it's totally unique every time yeah Yeah, it's basically at this stage it's unique every time every project's different Mm -hmm. um every creator has a different pricing it comes down to the experience the number of photos the purpose of the photos so they could if getting used on a billboard there's going to obviously hikes it up yeah yeah um so yeah it's per project basis which i i like it might not it may not be the most efficient way to go based on me being an operations manager (laughs) but (laughs) it's necessary (laughs) It's necessary and then you can work within the client's budgets as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like I don't like turning down clients that are within our niche. Yep. Um, and that's one of the biggest things as well is stay within your niche, mm-hmm. no matter how hard it may get sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so then the client chooses their photos and they get their photos back and everything should be executed perfectly. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Can you um, share the process of selecting and finding creatives to join the team? Yeah, so that's actually one of the biggest stigmas I wanted to break with this agency. So a lot of agencies really restrict their creators, um, saying that they can only do work with that agency or they can only work with certain people. One thing that I didn't want to do was restrict them because I feel like that also restricts their growth. Um, and to me, no one's competition, even if they're in the same niche, if they're in the same field, that's cool. Um, but no one is you and no one is your agency. You're all different in some way, shape or form and people create better when you collaborate. So that was my biggest thing going into launching my own agency, um, and also finding our creators. So working in marketing agencies previously, (laughs) I've realized how hard it can be when they want to hire an in-house team of creators Impossible. That no one really wants to go on a salary because the reality is they earn more yeah. freely. Yeah. Um, and they get the freedom with it. They get to pick and choose what they yeah. want to do, create their own schedules. Yeah. Like there's so much that goes into it. 
And a lot of us are, um, I mean, they're like me and you, they're people who don't want to work for someone else because they are so driven. And when you are like that, the sky's the limit. So why would you restrict yourself with someone else? Exactly. And like, I feel like you're so much more productive and creators are so much more productive when they're working for themselves. Like if you can stay, if you have your morning routine, you're going to be more productive throughout the day. If you're working for someone, I know when I was working for someone, I was waking up at 3.30 in the morning to go to the gym and I was going to bed at 7.30 at night. Like I couldn't do anything. So yeah, finding our creators, that was actually the funnest part was Mm -hmm. getting to know all these different creators, how they work and just like they being freelancers, they are so genuinely happy and they're so excited. And when they heard that there were no restrictions within the contract, they were just like kind of baffled. They're like, why not? What's the catch? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, there is honestly, there is no catch. The only catch is you might have to wait a little bit for work because it can take a little bit to get an agency up and running. But yeah. I'm not sure if you know this actually, but um, Christy Donnelly, she started this podcast with me. So we were doing it together for probably about six months and then it just got really difficult with like, you know, I was overseas for three months and we were having to like find times and um, it ended up just being like really difficult and I decided to continue it on solo. Um, But yeah, she's a, she's a good friend. I love her, love her work. And that's how I found you initially was through her. Yeah. Oh, love her. It's the name. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) we love you christy i'm trying to get her back on we will get her back on again the old timeline the time frames it's hard to knock us down at the same time yeah especially with you moving down here (laughs) i know so exciting Um, so what is on the horizon next for who creative agency and yourself like how is everything going what do you see in the future are there any like projects or goals you can share yeah, um, I'll be completely raw up, raw right now. But the last two weeks, I was literally bawling my eyes out because I was so stressed about everything. <laughs> I knew it was going to be hard. And I think this is like anyone wanting to start any kind of business, the start's always going to be hard. Like mm. I prepared myself for the last two weeks because I was like, there's only going to be a matter of time until I literally have a mental breakdown mm-hmm. and am deciding whether to give up or keep going. But Nothing can pre- nothing can really prepare you for it to know when it's going to happen. Um, of course not. Yeah, but there are exciting things happening. My head's still a little bit all over the place because it was just the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I got back in my routine this week, so that definitely helped Good. me. Um, but who? One of our major goals is when we start generating like consistent revenue. We do want to start opening photo studios that double as offices um, slash co-working spaces for our creators in a lot of the major cities within like fashion cities within the world. So we'll start with Gold Coast because that's where we are. Um, Then probably Sydney, Melbourne, LA, New York, um, potentially London, but that's long-term goals. Um, At the moment, I'm just, my main focus is just educating brands on what a creative agency is, building the relationships, building the trust, um, and just sort of getting our name out there. Mm. It's a long that's game. That's the thing, doing something that's different and yeah. that we haven't seen, it does yeah. take that fourth, fifth, sixth time of people seeing the visual proof for them yeah. to believe and like really go in for it when it is so different to what they may have experienced before. 
So yeah. I want to say you're doing amazing. You're on the right track. Like I am all for it. It's yeah. it's going to blow up. Like this this is something as a photographer that I'm so passionate that we need. And this is even cut like I do a little bit of what you do in the process of when I um you know plan a shoot, mm-hmm. but it's not my specialty. I just do it because I know it needs to be done. And a lot of these brands won't do it themselves. And then there's a there's a disconnect between what they're expecting and what you deliver yeah. because they're missing this huge chunk of work in the middle. And yeah. when someone like you comes along and not only does that huge chunk of work, but like builds on it and makes it something completely different to what they could ever have imagined, like it's it's night and day. It really just completely changes the whole the whole process. So I'm all for it. <laughs> I think that anyone considering it needs to look up Food Creative Agency and give it a go. Yeah. I just have a friend said to me, I think it was on the weekend, they're like, remember that meme? It's probably still going around of the little gold digger and he's like digging in the rocks and it's like the gold's like right there and if he gives up, like it's just Mm -hmm. not going to happen. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Like sometimes you just need someone to just remind you a little bit. Exactly. in my head I'm like, do I go back to work? Like if I go back to work full-time, I'm not going to be able to put all this work into the agency. And then if I go back part-time, like where's my focus going to be? I like, it was hard. And I'm like, do I just move to LA? Do I move to Dubai? Do I just start the business over there? <laughs> we love a change. Ideas. And then I'm like, I'm like just chill. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you expected this, just go with it. Like ride yeah. the wave. Exactly. <laughs> No, it's yeah. super exciting and yeah, just congrats for everything so far and like taking the the leap. That's the major thing that so many people don't yeah. do and no, you hear all of these success leap. stories, but there the has to be a leap. Hard. It's a yeah. hard time. And you're like, even I was like so confused when I quit my job. You never know what's going to happen, but everything, I'm getting all woo-woo, everything aligns. Like it yes. just happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I, I don't fully know. believe that. It does. It does. It does and it will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been an amazing chat. I'm so excited to work with you guys. I know it'll come along soon enough. Yeah. It's in the not so distant future. Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you, websites, Instagram, yes. all the things. So our handle is the same absolutely everywhere. <laughs> our website, whocreative.agency, so no.com, no.au, just .agency. Instagram's the same, whocreative.agency. Um, and, yeah, if you, I'm the one that manages social media, so myself and Brody, my business partner, we're both on there. Um, if you ever want to chat to me directly, feel free to just send a DM. Happy to have a chat, build a connection, um, and then see where we go from there. Amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Catch you guys next time. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you loved this episode. I'll leave all of the details in the show notes where you can find everything about Christy and Who Creative Agency. I would love if you could please give us a review and a little five-star rating on wherever you're listening to this. I don't make a single dollar doing this. I just do it for the passion, the enjoyment, meeting new people and of course for you guys to listen so i'd really appreciate that little the little to do hope you enjoyed this episode and i'll chat to you next time bye